Welcome to the Project Controls Expo speaker series in collaboration with the Project Chatter podcast. This series will go in-depth with our key speakers and presenters of the Project Controls Expo, the world's largest event for project professionals. All speakers are interviewed in front of a live internet audience, providing you with a chance to get up close with industry experts. So stick around for a raw, informal and informative experience with your hosts, Delphine and Val Matthews. Hello all, welcome to the Project Speakers Podcast, a collaboration between the Project Controls Expo and the Project Chatter Podcast. I am Val Matthews and together with Dale Fung, we're delighted to host the show today. Hey Dale, how are you? Hey Val, I'm well, thank you. Hello everyone. Really exciting. I think this is episode two in this it is. venture. It's exciting, yeah. an exciting collaboration where we have the awesome opportunity to chat to the speakers who will be speaking at the various Project Controls Expos. Exactly, I agree. Exciting indeed, especially this is our first technical, so I'm looking forward to it. If you like more info about the Expo, head to projectcontrolsexpo.com and check out Project Chatter Podcast while you're there. Why not? For more podcasts, all links will be in the show notes. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player or YouTube. Now, on this episode, we are joined by Mr. Santosh Bhatt, who will be speaking about implementing time location charts on linear projects at the Project Controls Expo. Mr. Santosh, how are you, mate? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, before we get into your subject matter, let's get into your bio with Dale. Thanks, Val. So Santosh has been planning and scheduling for over two decades across a range of projects in the Australasian region. Having worked across a diverse range of roles, including hands-on project planning, corporate governance of planning, and scheduling for major contractors, Santosh now operates as an independent consultant offering planning, scheduling, and schedule risk analysis services. Santosh's recent project involvement has included many of the major mega infrastructure projects, including several of the WestConnex road tunnel projects, I hope I got that right, in Sydney, Metro Rail projects in Sydney, Melbourne, and New Zealand. Santosh is also co-founder of Linear Project Software, developing the time location charting application called TurboChart. Santosh, welcome to this podcast. How are you doing? Well, thank you. That's great. Mate, if you, you don't mind just um, putting your microphone closer to your mouth, it's a little bit soft on your end. How's, how's that? That is Perfect. 100% better. T That's amazing. Tilt the, tilt the angle of the microphone. There, we, there go. we go. So we can hear your Australian accent in full, full, full color. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic. Uh, we're going to get a sneak preview into what you will be presenting. And is, is it the virtual expo you'll be presenting at or the Australian oh. one? Uh, both actually, and okay. the UK and the UK event virtually as well, while we're oh, wow. restricted on wow. traveling. <laughs> That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And you will be presenting on linear project software. Is that right? Correct. So the linear project software is the, the company and the product that we have is called TurboChart. But what the presentation will cover is, um, I guess, an overview on what are time location charts? What are they used for? Um, and obviously we'll give you some tips and guidance on how to start using them on the projects that you're involved in as well. 
That is awesome. So without giving too much away, we let's let's sort of whet the appetite a little. What what Absolutely. can we expect? So those that haven't heard of time location charts, could you give sure. a bit of a background as to what it is um, and, and perhaps warm the warm the appetite? Absolutely. So um, coming from a planning and scheduling background, I've worked around you know projects and schedules for a long time. And one thing that even I find uh, frustrating is is how little attention people pay to schedules or programs, depending on which part of the world you're in. And often this, I think, often this just comes down to the complexity or the complicatedness, if that's a word, of of schedules. I mean, when typically when you want to look at a schedule, you get presented a Gantt chart, yeah. um, and it may be you know, dozens, hundreds of pages long if you ever get a mm. printout and um, even as a professional in this field, um, I can find that exhausting, you know, to have to, to manage my way through that. And we end up in a situation where we'll often run, um, we'll get asked to summarize or we'll get asked to somehow convert that into something more meaningful on a page. Now, if you're involved on what we call linear projects, there's actually a technique that can, that can do that for you. Um, and that's where the term, well, I use the term time location charts. Um, there's many different names for these things that have a very similar characteristics. So time change is a term, linear schedules is another term, um, line of balance is another term. Yeah. They're all broadly speaking the same type of um, representation where we're presenting an alternative view of a project schedule where, um, not to go into too much detail, but essentially rather than having um, a work breakdown structure as the vertical axes, we put time on the vertical axes and the horizontal axes may represent um, the physical space or the units of production as you're progressing, say for instance, in a, in a high rise building. Um, mm. And by doing that, you can actually present um, a lot of information on a single page, often replacing, you know, dozens and dozens of pages. I mean, we've, we've, in, in my time, I've produced charts that have shown several thousands of what would be activities in a traditional schedule on a single page, but um, it, it's, it, it's in a meaningful way. It, 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 there's, there's patterns, there's information, there's a lot that can be read from that information. Wow. If that doesn't whet the appetite, I don't know what <laughs> does. Before I hand to Val, just one more from me. Is this only yeah, for sure. infrastructure projects or can it be used across other industries as well? So it, it there's two ways that you can apply this technique. The, the first is obviously on a linear project. When we think about the distance of a, if you're building a tunnel or if you're building a railway, you have a starting point and an ending point and a distance over which the work occurs. So if you think of that linear axis or the alignment of that linear project as one of that axis, you can then basically say, well, here are all the various physical areas of the project we're working mm -hmm. on. The, the second approach is, is what, um, if you're involved in anything is basic, that's essentially a unit of production type of exercise. So it could be something like um, if you're constructing say 40 villas, you know, each mm. one of them is, is going to be a basic repetition of the same tasks. Um, so a high-rise building um, is essentially the same thing because it's 40, 40 or however many floors of the building with the restriction that you're generally working in one direction. So um, I've also used the tech, I've seen the technique used on other type of projects such as um, wind farms, uh, ship building production. 
Um, we've certainly had people use use those charts for you know, um, basically anything that can be presented as a set of repeatable activities over multiple units. There you go. That's probably a simple explanation. No, that's great, uh, Santosh, uh, and thanks for being on the show. It's it's going to no be problem. a very interesting one, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of questions once you do have your events, and mm -hmm. the fact that you're going to be across the whole uh, expo from you know Australia, UK, and the virtual is fantastic. My question is going to be, there's going to be a lot of people thinking, and, and I'm certainly thinking as well in the consulting space, not another software, here we go. But how can we integrate this with existing programs and software that they're already using, sure. like the P6, the open plan, yep. the Microsoft projects of the world? Okay, so I'll start off by saying, first of all, um, we have designed the software um, with the philosophy of being simple to use and lightweight. This is not a, um, a you know, I, I know there's, there's plenty of software that comes in and um, is quite a, what I would call a heavyweight software. It's, it's intended to replace existing systems or it's intended to be used across the entire project management landscape. Um, we've actually said ours is a very um, specific application. It's designed to be complementary to your scheduling software. So if you're, in fact, it's actually designed to work with Primavera P6 and Microsoft Project and uh, uh, any tool that can copy and paste tabular data. We don't actually, our, our software tool isn't intending to replace any of them. It's actually yeah. um, there to work side by side. And in fact, um, most of our users actually work with, you know, Primavera or Microsoft Project on one screen and our software on a second screen. And mm -hmm. they're working between the two of them. Um, so, yeah. um, and we do that by basically, um, and I've no qualms in saying it, but our software is not a scheduling tool. It's just a visualization tool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because half the time, I think project managers and planners spend story time, storytelling, sorry, rather than, than actually plotting the plan. And we want our planners <laughs> to be telling the story rather than sitting in a schedule getting updates. And I think what you're saying is, is very valuable. A plan on a page. I think Dale and I subscribe to this idea of visual storytelling as well. Um, and so maybe you can, obviously we don't have it in front of us, but maybe you could describe what the visual looks like a little bit on it. You know, you mentioned it a little bit before. Yeah, sure. I'd love to, I'd love to set a picture for the, for the listeners. So, okay. So we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're just about anyone involved in any sort of project controls capacity will understand how to read a, a schedule. You know, a traditional Gantt chart is what we're all familiar with. And uh, on a on a traditional Gantt chart, the horizontal axis is is usually represented by time, and the vertical axis is represented by some form of a work breakdown structure or some sort of grouping. Um, where one line is represented by a task and then the next line is the second task and so on. And obviously they're somehow connected through um, schedule logic. Um, so imagine you took that chart and you rotated the page. So now your time is on the vertical axis. Okay, mm -hmm. so we have time going up and down the page and we can, it can go in either direction, but let's, let's just assume the start of the project's at the top of the page and the end of the project is at the bottom of the page. Across the page, what we'll do is we'll represent that uh, physical aspect of the work. Or the, so let's just, for example, say we're, we're doing a 10 kilometer roadway project. Um, we may put on the axes zero to 10 kilometers with a marker every 1000 meters um, as a grid. And that represents our grid now of, of location and time. And 
we then into that space or into that grid is where we start reflecting the activities that occur. So just as a very, at a very high, high level example, we might say earthworks on a project. Now we know earthworks may be occurring in a specific area. So that we know where the start and end point for the area is. And through the scheduling, we know when the start and end of the, by dates are. And that gives us a four points to represent on the, on the grid. And we can then plot those four points for any selected activity from our schedule. So you might say all our earthworks spread across the project. And then the next step might be all the drainage and, and so on for, for whichever tasks you select. Now, the real beauty of these charts is not just in being able to plot the, the time and the location of where they occur, but also being able to represent the tasks in different patterns. So you might select um, a, a line or a line or a box or a different type of shape because the different shapes have different meanings. And perhaps I'll leave that one to the presentation that I'll, I'll prepare. Um, but we can also use different colors and different patterns to represent different things as well. Um, and what you want to look for, as I said, is there's patterns that can come out of these um, or trends, if you want to call them, where you can identify things like where all your resources are operating, which direction they're heading in, um, whether there's uh, any clashes. So where you might have multiple tasks occurring in the same space and time, you can beg the question, is that physically possible or have we made a mistake somehow? That is really interesting. And I'm trying to picture the visual and, you know, I'm going, geez, I need to check this out because I want to see what's <laughs> happening. It sounds really exciting. Um, I wanted to ask sort of a couple of things as you're chatting there, you sure. know, um, what, how did you think of this? How did you come up with it? Was it you yourself? Was it a group of people? I'm interested <laughs> in the mind behind it that, you know, okay. obviously you're analytical, obviously you're looking for something different to assist and help, but where does one start for those listening in? And also having, you know, they've got ideas. How do you just sort yep. of go and get this stuff done, evolve? Okay, so my introduction to this um, was actually almost 20 years ago on my very first project where my, uh, the planning manager I was working with at the time, a, a, a you know, mentor and good friend of mine called Robert Turner, we were working on a, um, a fiber optic network rollout. So this is 8,000 plus kilometers of fiber optic uh, across Australia and uh, 150 odd, I don't know, can't remember the exact number, but 150 odd sites. So you can imagine um, with a fiber optic network, every 100 kilometers or so, the signal needs to be regenerated. And that requires, effectively, it's a shed that gets built to connect the, the cable in, amplify the signal, and away it goes. So for 8,000 kilometers, there's approximately 150 of these um, sheds dispersed across Australia um, and it becomes a, a, a you know a classical linear project where you've got you know cable being laid across vast distances and all these um, sites needing to be built in between and each site has its own intricacies on designing locating built construction etc and so um, on this project we had the schedule and um, obviously we wanted people to be interested in the schedule and not work in their own silos and he had actually um, introduced me to this concept of what what was called time change um, he'd found an obscure piece of software developed in germany that worked with primavera p3 as it was at the time um, and we we had 
a very good success rate with that, where people were actually interested, they were viewing the schedule, they were understanding that, you know, what their actions have consequences upon the other aspects of the project. Um, so over that, from that project onwards, I've been, you know, I was sold, I was hooked um, <laughs> and tried to use it on any, as many projects as possible. And obviously the scheduling software evolved. Um, we went through a process of trying to identify what other options, even to um, the extent of uh, developing our own software for the company I was working for at the time, um, ran through a few different um, options. Now, fast forward to about uh, four or five years ago, I'm, I'm now operating um, by myself, working for myself. And um, I started using a great piece of schedule risk software in my business, um, Safran Risk, just to throw a name out there. But, um, you know, it was a piece of tool. And, and through my working on that piece of software, I got to know one of the developers quite well. And I said to him, I asked him the question, you know, I'm a civil engineer. I work in planning and scheduling. I know nothing about how to, how to write software. You know, I don't even know how to start. Uh, you know, I, I, does it need, you know, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, I, I have no idea. And and he said, um, so my partner in, in crime in this is a guy called Rusty Johnson or Russell Johnson, who um, uh, actually was one of the the founding members of a product called Pertmaster, which um, oh, a lot of people in, yeah. yes, yeah, so a yeah. lot of people in project, yeah, a lot of people in project controls will have heard of Pertmaster and Primavera risk analysis as it subsequently became. Um, so he worked on Safran Risk as well, and um, in collaborating with him, he said, well, why don't you put together a proof of concept, and I put together something in PowerPoint, and um, a week later, he actually put together a very crude version of the software, and I said to him, I, I still remember my comment was, this is good enough for me to actually start using, and and he said, well, let's, let's make it a thing, and... Um, so between the two of us, um, we've been at it for a few years now, and we're a very low-profile organisation. We, you know, it is just the two of us for now, but we hope to expand as as obviously the the use of our product grows. Um, but one thing, uh, uh, um, Dale, you may, you asked the question, how did I come up with this concept? One thing I've I've actually been learning is this whole concept of using um, linear scheduling is actually very old. It um, It's not something new. I mean, I know where construction's being infiltrated by a lot of technology now, yeah. but I actually have found records of the concept of using time and distance on this dual axis dating all the way back to the early 1800s. Wow. Um, so when they were building railways in Europe, they were using that technique of plotting you know, the distance between the stations and lines representing the speed of the trains passing between them. It is essentially what a time location chart is. So, um, and, and there's a well-documented example of how the Empire State Building in New York was constructed using a linear scheduling method. Um, uh, you, can visit, you can go to the visitor center there, and, and in fact I have, and see this example on, in, in the display area. Wow, that is truly amazing. And, you know, a lot of it, if you do enough digging, there's history suggests we are kind of repeating ourselves today. <laughs> we we exactly. just sometimes don't know that we are. Um, exactly. 
but before we move on to the next question just a shout out to anyone that you know sort of watching or listening live to the this episode please do send in your questions we've got one already which we'll keep for towards the end of the podcast but if you have any questions please do send them out and we'll we'll put santosh in the hot seat and you know grill him <laughs> grill him with them so make them really difficult no i'm just kidding um bell i want to bring you in um I, I see you nodding in the background there while santosh is talking as well you've got the juices flowing with ideas and everything do you have any uh, comments or questions around uh, what santos was talking about always whenever i hear something new or at least something traditional that's been reinvented or innovated like what you're doing santosh i always think what do we do with the future so future is, is always an interesting subject matter that we we bed down for the present and we learn from the past but how do we prepare for the future and i think where we are going with projects like you said at the start they are getting more complex they are getting more complicated that's for sure and our success rate isn't quite running at the same pace i wouldn't say there's a correlation between success and more complex projects i actually think they're making them harder uh, but so we're going back to the value of having systems and oriented oriented systems that help us digest some of that complex data. What's what's in store for linear scheduling from your perspective? And you can save some of this for your presentation. But what's your plans for the future? So I think linear scheduling. Um, one thing that has surprised me is, um, and perhaps it's because my own frame of reference has been I've tried to use it on a lot of projects is how little known it is. Um, uh, in the course of developing the software, I, I made a, a, what what was a an error, I guess, in assuming that everyone knew about them, everyone's using them, and on anything that's close to a linear project, um, we've adopted them. But I've actually found out that the opposite is quite true, where there's um, a lot of people who don't know what they are, a lot of people who have an inkling or have heard of them, but don't understand the intricacies or the or, or why they're so useful, um, which then begs the next question of um, they then uh, may not know how to produce them. So um, where we go is I think there's a lot of there's a lot of room for education in that space in you know, getting people aware of um, what this technique is, how to adopt it, and how to benefit from it. So that's firstly um, the second part is as the future evolves. Um, I mean. Uh, the, the scheduling or project controls is just going, we, you know, uh, as you've discussed on your podcasts, we know that the future is changing very rapidly. Um, you know, the way that we've done things for the last, you know, at least 10, maybe 15, possibly longer years is not going to be the way we're going to do them in the next 10 years, right? We're, we're, we're aware of that. There's all these technologies coming in, but I like to think the linear scheduling concept um, will stand the test of time because mm. because of its usefulness and the ability to convey so much information on one page. I mean, you can sit there, um, no matter what type of schedule, I mean, um, a project will always need a schedule of some sort, um, whether it's developed in an AI engine, whether it's used, um, developed through, you know, lean techniques, there will always be some form of a schedule. Um, and the key will be to getting every, to be, Sorry, let me start that again. The key will be to get everyone on board and agreeing on the the project schedule, not a project schedule, but the project schedule, right? The one that we're yeah. all working towards. Um, that's... Now, I, I, that's a hard job. <laughs> yeah, I was I was about to say that, but it's such a powerful message as well for those listening that we 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 want we want to kind of summarize the most important information uh, we can. 
so that these re reviews are more effective. And end of the day, the reason why we have schedules and, and effectively linear scheduling is we want to make informed decisions on projects. And so how do we most effectively transition all the information on this monthly drumbeat we have going on in projects to get to our executives, our senior managers and our subject matter experts to make those decisions. And I think this is a really exciting presentation. I look forward to the full, full episode, but I'm going to hand off to Dale now. I know he's got some questions as well for you. I do. I do. Santosh, like I say, it is really exciting and we'll head into some of the uh, listener questions in a second. Again, sure. if you are listening live, please send them through um, and we'll ask them. But I just have, um, I sort of had one and I was thinking, you know, so you're saying this is a chart and mm -hmm. we alluded to, you said that, you know, how things are progressing with technology and everything like that. If I might be a little bit provocative and you can throw things at the screen at me if you want to, but <laughs> what is, what is stopping someone using the likes of a Power BI and replicating what you're doing? Uh, well, you could, I suppose. Um, we've seen people generate these charts even in Excel for the last, okay. I mean, I've, I've seen people producing them in Excel for the last um, 15 odd years or so as well. The the flaw in using these other techniques though is what I call their, perhaps their scalability. Right. In the sense that um, anyone who's, you know, worked on project scheduling will know schedules are constantly changing. You yeah. know, there's, there's never a point where they're static. Um, and I, you know, uh, in talking to Val, I, I said the project schedule, but um, uh, tongue in cheek, there's always more than one project schedule. You know, there's scenarios, there's what ifs, there's, you know, some alternative strategy. Um, and the key is to be able to use um, the technique of the linear scheduling or the time location charts against any of them. Because that's the way, you know, that's the keys to be able to say, we've, we've modified our schedule, let's see the result instantly. And that's where I think all these other techniques are struggling. Um, you know, the, the Excel tools, Power BI may get there, but um, I, I don't know if Power BI has got, still got the, uh, the richness of the presentation yet um, and the ability to do things. I mean, with our, the software that we've developed, we've specifically intended that anytime you press reschedule on your scheduling software, our chart will refresh. Um, and you can then do all the comparisons, you know, against one version against yeah. another, you know, and that's where I think um, having a custom application that can do that for you is always going to be streets ahead of developing a bespoke solution in Excel or Power BI. Um, where the, uh, you, the question is also kind of hinting at, um, you know, where does 4D fit into yeah. this as well? That was going to be my follow-up, um, actually. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, certainly 4D, um, which, you know, for a long time has been on the horizon. You know, it's, it's like this bow wave that's just been a, approaching us. And, and I admit I've always been quite skeptical of it, but I think I need to drop that now and start accepting that it, it will, you know, it will hit us eventually. Um, I see time location charts as being complementary to 4D. And I say that because when you think about 4D, um, what it's doing is at any given time, it's giving you a snapshot at a specific point in time. Um, whereas the purpose of the time location chart is actually to present the entire schedule in one view from, from start to end. Um, so, it, it, you know, 4D could sit there and tell you what you're doing at any specific time and animate between time periods. 
but the, the time location chart will give you that entire period in one page. So I th see the tools as, as complementary, not, not necessarily mm. one or the other at all. And the beauty is they'll all come from the same source, which is the schedule. You know the single, yes. the single source of single source of, of the mul of the multiple single sources, the multiple the multiple <laughs> single sources of, of various versions of the truth. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's excellent. That's amazing. I think Val's got one more before we head to any listener I, questions. I, I do, Santosh, and I and I wish you well in this presentation. It's going to be great. Um, obviously, I, I agree with you. I think we're all moving towards visual management of everything, right? And yep. they all have their purposes, and and we just need to get there quicker. Uh, I think. But uh, I have one more. So those that are working with the critical path method, those that are working with traditional schedules, you know, the waterfall yep. methods, how do we represent it? Can we, can we represent things like linear, like critical path and, and baselines on, on this, this linear method? Or is that something reserved for the, the full schedule? No, we, um, I mean, certainly the, the software tool that we we've developed has specifically got those, those features. So you can, for instance, um, what whatever is defined as being critical in your CPM schedule, and there's obviously there's various ways of doing that, but ultimately if an activity is flagged as being critical or not, we can represent that as a critical task. It gets a little highlight and you can see, uh, you can see the critical path flowing across the linear aspect of the project. It's, it's quite elegant. And wow. we've also, I specifically, when, when, you know, developing the software, I specifically wanted the feature to be able to compare um, against you know baselines um, or you know scenario A versus scenario B, and you can see that on these charts as well. We we've got a feature where um, you know a second schedule will appear as a fairly faded or a transparent um, a piece of a line, for instance, and the current version that you're looking at will be overlaid on top of that. Um, the the only drawback with this is is you're already presenting a lot of information on one page, and if you start trying to throw, you know, multiple 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 versions of it, yeah. it starts being counterproductive, um, where it just becomes confusing. So there is a little bit of judgment um, on on how that how that gets made. No, that's fantastic. I think a lot of projects will be happy to hear that. That they can run their multiple scenarios and their multiple single sources of truth. <laughs> so. Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, um, the way I've always used these tools is not just as a presentation um, that you give to you know the senior execs once a month. I've actually seen it as a, a you know side by side planning tool where you basically every time you make a change to your schedule, you want to look at it in that time location format to say, uh, have I got that quite right or you know, mm. where have we, where have we, um, you know, look for white space is what I'd like to say. You know, if there's white space on the chart, it means that nothing's happening and there may be opportunities there for optimizing um, the schedule that you're working on, which just wouldn't be obvious when you're, you know, trying to flick through 50 pages of, 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 of a can chart. That, that makes sense. I think, you know, there's not two sides to a coin. There's very many sides to a coin. And I think, Yours is just adding that extra dimension as well, as you say, complementing everything that's out there, Santosh. Correct. Absolutely. Um, let the, let's move on to listener questions. I think the listener's a little bit shy uh, today, <laughs> this morning for you, tonight uh, for those in the UK. But we do have one. Um, yep. It says, Santosh, what about solar farms? So surface area instead of mm. meterage. Um, I, well, it, that get, again gets back to this unit of production discussion that we began, uh, that we had at the beginning. Um, if you can break your solar farm into um, an area 
or multiple areas. So you might say, um, you know, the solar farm consists of area A, B, C through to Z. Um, then that effectively is is the location axis. So A, the the difference you'll find is if you think about a um, let's think about a manufacturing plant where you might have A to Z production. Um, generally, the production will flow in one direction from A through to Z, and you'll have a line that generally proceeds through A, B, C, D, E, F. What you'll find the difference on a solar farm is because the areas are spread out um, horizontally rather than in a unit production, there's nothing stopping you from jumping from A to F back to C and then to D. So it's not necessarily going to be a very smooth linear flow, but what you will be able to do is represent that in those areas on these charts and where you you might find some patterns in that information that you wouldn't have picked up when they're just sorted by WBS. Awesome. So asked and answered, I think, is the conclusion <laughs> to that one. Thank you so much for answering that, Santosh. Like I said, I think the listeners are a little bit shy um, on this episode, but uh, hopefully they'll be throwing questions at you at your live presentation, because I think we've squeezed as much as we can out of you, um, because <laughs> anything more will be the full presentation. We don't want to do that. <laughs> yep. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, and just final thoughts that you perhaps want to leave the listeners with? Uh, look, uh, uh, just a little, little story. I went to my first Project Controls Expo in London in 2015, actually, and I was blown away by it. Um, you know, we, at, at that time, we had, didn't have any events like that here in Australia. And so to be able to see so much content and all the sponsors and, you know, the, the buzz of, of that one day event, I, I said, I hope this event comes to Australia one day and in 2018 it did. So I was very pleased and we've, um, you know, through Linear Project Software, we've been supporting Project Controls Expo, um, you know, it's in its various formats for several years now. So I, I encourage everyone that's involved in the, um, in the industry, in Project Controls, get to one or as many of these events as you can because there's a lot to be gained from it. I agree. I agree. If, if it was a sport, it would be like the World Cup right yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) absolutely awesome thank you so much santosh fell any final thoughts from yourself no just the same i'm very happy as well santosh uh living in melbourne city now in australia that that we do have the expo at the mcg which is a great uh great place to have it the melbourne cricket grounds and uh same as you i saw it in london and then i saw it at 2018 in 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 um actually i think it's 2019 in in Australia so has been fantastic. But Santosh, thanks for your time today. I look forward to your presentation and maybe I'll be one of the question guys asking <laughs> some more geeky questions. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. But I really look forward to it and congratulations. Thanks, Val. Thanks, Dale. Awesome. Thank you. So folks, sadly, that is all the time we have. But before you do go, um, if you have any final thoughts um, or suggestions, please get in touch. Uh, subscribe. Don't forget, um, we are on uh youtube uh live we are on all the various platforms so subscribe wherever you get your podcast hit subscribe as well uh, don't forget to check out uh, projectchatterpodcast.com for more podcasts don't forget to check out projectcontrolexpo.com for all the expos where you can catch santosh at every single expo i think he's presenting at <laughs> by the sounds of it um so so do go check that out a big thanks again to santosh but for joining us and thank you all for listening from me and val it's bye for now
views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organisation, company or individual. Thank you.